the episode we've all been waiting for. No one asked, but we're giving. <laughs> Hi, welcome to all of our content where no one asked, but we're doing it anyways. Hey, Mark. Hey, Miles. Georgia Turk, aka Jiggle and Juice. Um, basically, uh, I'm excited to share this with everyone because my poor roommates have been subjected to my rambles on um, cryptocurrency and NFTs lately. And now I get to impart this knowledge on the rest of y'all. And like we said before, you didn't ask for it, but here you fucking go. Here you fucking go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to, welcome back to Jawbreakers. Um, my name is Georgia Took, and this is my beautiful Shay Miles. I'm here in Canada, and Shay is in Scotland. Um, and together, we are Jiggle and Juice. Um, this episode of Jawbreakers, season two, episode four. This episode of Jawbreakers is called WTF is the deal with NFTs. This is going to be a crash course on cryptocurrency, how the future of the digital art market is having detrimental effects on the environment, and why you should know about it. So everyone's talking about NFTs. What the hell is going on? So painter and digital artist Emma Stern, uh, Lava Baby on Instagram, has now auctioned off a couple NFT works, um, and that's kind of where I first heard about them. Um, but it wasn't until the love of my life, renowned art critic. Jerry Saltz, and then also my art school BFF, Christian McGinty, started talking about NFTs that I was like, okay, fine. We got to look into this. So Shay and I wanted to do a jawbreaker on this because I wasn't going to do all this research for nothing. <laughs> um, I, and we want to help you guys understand um, what's going on with NFTs and hopefully save you some time researching um, the world of cryptocurrency. Uh, seems like an inaccessible land gate kept by techie douchebags. And so we are going to try and explain it as simply as possible. Um, so first things first, um, we need to know what we're dealing with here. And so we're going to go over some general lingo before we get started. So my lovely Shay is going to go over some definitions uh, with you guys before we get started. And I just want to say disclaimer before we head into this, I cannot stress this enough. If you feel overwhelmed by this, that is totally okay. When I started my research on this, I was like, what? Like, ev like every other word I like had to look up. Um, I was so confused. There's just so much information. It's such like a foreign land um, of uh, the cryptocurrency is to artists like ourselves. Um, so try and stick with us. I feel like the more we like use the terminology, like when we're explaining things, like the more it'll start to make sense. So it's okay, just, just stick with us, please. Um, but also like, feel free to comment below, DM us. If you have any further questions, we would love to have a discussion with you. So on with the show. Uh, Shay, start us off with some definitions. Sure, so I just wanna start off by saying that I literally like came into this knowing zero and still to some extent feel like I know zero. So if you also come away from this episode thinking like, oh dear God, like you're very much allowed to feel like that. It is really, unless you're kind of like um, in the know about these terminologies and like this whole entire, it seems like a whole entire universe that we're just not aware of. And I say we, I mean me. Um, so the first thing I'm gonna talk about is um, the definition of a cryptocurrency. So cryptocurrency is a digital or virtual currency that is secured by cryptography. Um, cryptography is a method of protecting information and communications through the use of codes mm -hmm. so that only those for whom the information is intended can read and process it. The prefix crypt means hidden or vault and the suffix graphy stands for writing. Using cryptography makes it nearly impossible to counterfeit or double spend. 
A defining feature of cryptocurrencies is that they are generally not issued by any central authority, rendering them theoretically immune to government interference or manipulation. So this is like where it starts to get crazy because in that regard, if there's no kind of like overarching like system in place, like some, some people might think of that as like a good thing, you know, like there's nothing like, um, systemic um about it but then as we'll get into further into the into the jawbreaker we'll talk a little bit about that as well um <clears throat> the next thing we're going to talk about is just what the fuck an nft actually is so nft for those who don't know stands for non-fungible token um and when i first heard this i think i the first time i heard this being used was potentially in a podcast and i thought because i wasn't reading it and the title was just NFT, I thought they were saying non-fundable token. So when I was like, I know what non-fundable means. Yeah, I know what that is. And then when I was like, wait, fungible, I've never even heard that word in my life. Um, so something, um, if something is fungible, it is interchangeable with another good or asset, um, whereas non-fungible means that it's not. So for example, a fungible asset would be oil or gold or money. Um, they possess fungibility if they have identical value and properties of other items. Um, another example of that would be um, like, say if you had two identical cereal boxes and they were unopened, like if Shay and I both had one, we could like exchange those two assets because they're exactly the same. They hold the exact same value. So that's kind of what a fungible asset is. Totally. So a non-fungible asset would include things like baseball trading cards and plane tickets, for example. So um, although two plane tickets may look the same, each one will have a different destination, seat number, airline class. Um, so they can't be swapped like for like. Um, so that's just some, some context for you there to make it a little bit easier to kind of visualize. Um, and then token, like the, the definition of a token, um, a crypto token is a virtual currency token or a unit of cryptocurrency. Um, for example, like a Canadian loonie or a British pound, um, it's a signifier of that currency's face value. Um, I'm also gonna talk a little bit about blockchain, which is something we refer to um, in this episode. <clears throat> so a blockchain is basically um, a digital record that acts as a public ledger, which is just another word for, for record. Um, to verify ownership status. A blockchain is a growing list of records called blocks that are linked using cryptography. Each block contains a cryptographic hash of the previous block, a timestamp and transaction data. Think of this like a family tree. Um, it also kind of looks like a family tree as well, if that helps with your visual visualization of this. Um, and um, each different uncle and grandma has their own block like on the blockchain. By design, a blockchain is resistant to modification of its data. This is because once recorded, the data in any given block cannot be altered retroactively without alteration of all subsequent blocks. Um, crypto art. So crypto art is a piece of metadata and metadata is um, a data that describes another data. So this includes um, an image or a link to an image or file, the creator of that file, some date stamps, associated contracts or text, and the purchaser of the piece, which is attached to a token, um, which it then has monetary value on a marketplace and then is stored in a blockchain. Um, and finally, for this section, I'm gonna talk about minting an NFT. So um, this obviously sounds like what, what in the world, what is that? So minting an NFT is basically just the act of creating an NFT, um, plain and simple really, um, i.e. registering the token on the blockchain and associating it with your media and like uploading a file or whatever it is that you want to actually list as an NFT. Thank you so much, my dear, for all the definitions. Um, so now that we're familiar with some lingo, let's get into why everyone's talking about them. Um, so in section one, we're gonna be talking about just general confusion around NFTs and then also some, some positives of NFTs. 
Um, so back in March of 2020, um, Christie's, which is a prestigious art auction house in Britain, um, auctioned off a digital collage by the artist named Beeple. Um, and uh, they, are, they um, auctioned it off for $69 million. Um, so like, it's hard enough to conceptualize a painting or a sculpture uh, to be like worth tens of millions of dollars, but now something intangible, a digital file is worth that much money. Like, how is that even possible? Like, how, how can that be displayed? Like, how can like that file just not be like shared endlessly or even just like screenshotted? Like how, what is the difference between the picture that like, we just showed you and the one that's now owned by a collector who paid nearly 70 million dollars for it. These are all the questions that we had running through our minds when we heard about this. Um, so let's I'm going to try and answer as, as many of these as I can. Um, so while these works can be copied and shared it's, um, it's no different from the physical world um, where copies are not the original. So an example would be, um, say I go on, I go online, I find a like photograph that Cindy Sherman did. I take a screenshot of it, print it off at home, frame it, put it on my wall. I now have an image of a of a Cindy Sherman, but I don't own a Cindy Sherman. And to the naked eye, maybe like no one would think the wiser, um, and I could fool some people. But if I were to take that to like an auction house, they would be like. Are you kidding? Like, we can't sell this for anything. Like, this is a worthless piece of paper. Like, it's not, it doesn't hold the same value. Um, so possibly the biggest barricade for folks like us who work in a, in a physical world um, is the sort of divide between the physical and the digital. Um, but if you were to talk to any serious gamer, like they've probably paid money to like buy special clothing or weapons or maps or upgrades like in their video games and um you know I know some people might have bought characters for their animal crossing <laughs> not naming names or anything <laughs> not naming any names um but th that's like spending spending your money on something for a digital space so in, in a sense, it's it's no different than um, than things that we already know of. Like that's the thing with NFTs that I think is like the biggest like the biggest confusion is like it feels like there it's something like incomparable to your real life. But I'm sure we've all spent money on like a digital thing before. Yeah, totally. Um, so there's also just like there's a whole demographic of people who just don't have the same interest in physical objects as as they do digital assets. Um, on that note, I, uh, I never thought I'd be learning about NFTs from Paris Hilton, but here we are. Um, like in a way, I'm not surprised. I feel like she's just always been a brilliant person at the forefront of pop culture. Um, but her and this exposure is just like, <sighs> it's worse. Um, <laughs> bear with me. Um, so Paris Hilton and also artist Kevin Abosh, um, they both talk about the um, democratizing nature of NFTs. Um, so what they mean by that is like anyone can log on and purchase goods. Um, and while the world of crypto art may seem inaccessible, it's actually way more transparent than the traditional art market is. Like you can see a public visible record of that NFT's entire history, um, when it was created, who made it, who purchased it, how much did they buy it for? Like these sorts of things are not public information in a traditional art sense. Like that's something that we've like we've already addressed as being like so problematic like that that contributes to the art world being corrupt which we've already gone over like um and so I think that that's like it's just so interesting that this kind of space is existing that art is now being traded in and that's kind of like not adopted that yeah exactly like um I can't remember where I was where I learned this from but um 
like there's so many like sus things that that happen in an auction house when people are bidding like there's um when the bids are going on there's people in in the um in the room and they're like holding up their paddle and bidding up the price but then there's also a whole bunch of collectors that are on the phone with people who work for the auction house and they're also bidding up and if there's not enough people like bidding up the price in the room the auctioneer will like make some sort of note or like make a a sign like kind of pointing to the ceiling and um the people on the phone will kind of, you know, talk to their collector and be like, oh, someone's bidding up the price. You have to bid it up. And so it's like artificially raising the price of the work that's being bid on. So there's just so many like shysty things happening in a traditional art sense. So like, like it just sounds like it sounds dodgy, like saying it out loud like that, but that is just the reality of it in in these spaces, you know, like that's actually something that's kind of like, especially if it's known that like these certain signals are like, known to mean something like surely that gives you an idea of how like like scary that is yeah totally so already I feel like I'm I'm liking this whole public record thing like that sounds nice um so um another plus is like this sort of technology is really empowering the little guy and like giving them as much power um as like massive entities such as um like major art institutes or even like Uh, in another sense, like Wall Street, Um, for example, um, the whole GameStop, Reddit, Wall Street controversy that happened earlier this year, which I actually just watched a really good video on, so we'll link that down below, Um, but basically how all of these um, Reddit users like mobilized um, as individual investors, and um, they completely changed the, the stock market um so it's a really interesting time we're living in in this sense um so trans translating like the traditional or the stock exchange into the art sense like with nfts um so nfts can empower individuals to influence the market for art um nfts aren't exclusive to wealthy people or insiders and anyone can make their voice heard by creating a piece of digital work and on the flip side anyone can own one so it's not just the big names in the art world that are saying, oh, these are the artists that have the most value. In um, It's the people in the crypto space saying, these are the artists I like, which is why we're seeing like, um, like for lack of a better term, like shitpost memes, like being bought and sold for a lot of crypto. Um, and it's because like, it's not a traditional like art historian, art collector that's like, oh, like this is like valuable art in a in a cultural context. It's like people in crypto are just like, I just like this, this is funny. I'm gonna spend my money on it. Like I was watching Frenemies um, and Trisha was saying that she had like listed literally just like a JPEG, like a screenshot of, um, I can't even remember what it was that she said, um, like her eating something or like a mukbang or something. And she like listed it and they were talking about like the fact that she had no idea how much she listed it for and like that's just why like it, like does it really even even really matter if you don't actually understand the space like I'm not sure if anyone's actually bought that yet like at the time that they were talking about it it was just li- it just been listed for like a ridiculous amount of money um but it is just like that kind of thing about being like well fuck it let's just see if it'll sell like you never know these these things like it is it's crazy like you know, Kate Moss has jumped on this bandwagon, like um, Lava Baby, like you were saying. Um, who else? Grimes. Grimes. Just oh, yeah, sold, like six NFTs. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. So it's just like, like, it's such a foreign, like new kind of space. And like, people are just experimenting. And that's something that's like, probably quite good, you know, at this point. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then like, as a side note, like on, on accessibility and on how like, the, the democratizing nature of it and how like anyone can hop on and like buy, sell, um, mint an NFT, that kind of thing, is that like, it seems like it's only for wealthy people, but that's only because like, we've just been seeing these like insane headlines of like, this is like, this just got bought for like $25,000. This just got bought for $70 million. Like it just, it seems really like inaccessible for the wealthy, but um, there's like, lots of different platforms where you can buy nfts for like super super cheap um and i can link that down below as, as not, well. even, not even like cheap just like affordable art like if you're making an investment in a physical piece of art like you you are aware of like 
the price not being like a fiver you know like you're it's still like you're still kind of paying for that like to own that piece of work and the fact that it's in a digital space how whether or not that resonates if that resonates with you then you can still it's still affordable um and you, you can like yeah be be a proud owner of like a work by one of your favorite artists on a much more accessible um like budget yeah totally totally um yeah so we'll link we'll link that down below which which website that is um so you know even brocos like us we can start our little nft collection um and then uh, going back to artist kevin abosh i hope i'm saying that correctly um he goes on to say that there's two main factors um why the that's that's really like ignited the nft craze and one being like nfts are legitimately like interesting and useful and b anything any new shiny item that's basically like making people rich quickly um like is of course gonna like draw attention so a lot of people who are buying nfts are from the crypto world so they're buying into something with the intention of holding on to it um in hopes that it'll become more valuable over time um this is not new in the art world like this is not exclusive to to people who are in the crypto world like lots of art investors and art collectors will purchase an art solely for um like holding on to it so they can sell it for more money later like there's tons of art collectors that say well you know buy like an andy warhol and they'll package it up put it in a warehouse hold on to it for 20 years and like sell it again at the auction like Again, not this is not limited to crypto. Um, but I just want to share like a fun crypto fact <laughs> that um, like in terms of holding on to something in hopes it'll be more become more valuable. So this time, April of 2011, um, one Bitcoin was equal to one US dollar. Ten years later, in April 2021, one Bitcoin is worth $54,414.40 USD. So can I just say like, this is this is a really good point to highlight how limited my knowledge on this was because yeah, I've heard like the, I've heard the phrase like Bitcoin being thrown around and I was like completely unaware of like actually what it was. But up until literally last week, I thought that one bit one bitcoin was one pound or one dollar like i genuinely like i didn't i thought that that was the way that it was and like it wasn't like i thought that it was that from the get-go like it wasn't like in 2011 i was like oh cool this is the way it is i was just under the impression that like why would it not be and so this is fucking insane like for me to I mean like obviously not just for me but like I, when I like the limited knowledge that I had I when I heard this I was just like I'm so wrong that there's this is just so like out of my depth and I just was so like kind of oblivious to the the way that this kind of has like spiraled and like how this has even happened I just can't get my head around it yeah honestly like um when i was watching that video on um on the gamestop stock versus um or sorry it was um reddit versus wall street with the game stock um gamestop stock um <laughs> say that five times fast um they talked a lot about stock like the stock market and how like it how it works and i'm just like so out of my depth when it comes to that kind of stuff how like how just how little i know about it economics honestly um but with <laughs> with that being said um with uh bitcoin being worth so much like over almost $55,000 US like it wasn't just a steady increase the entire time like it's gone through like so many ebbs and flows um but i just thought i'd i'd point that out just so people were like oh my gosh i should invest in bitcoin right now um <laughs> Um, that's not what this video is about. <laughs> Don't. Um, a positive on this idea of like investment art um, is unlike a traditional work, the artist will continue to receive royalties from their work if it is resold at a higher price. Um, so the artist will continue to make money from their work. 
So this doesn't happen in the physical art market. Once something has been sold out of my possession, it is, I am no longer receiving royalties if it continues to get sold and sold and sold. But and also, also like, guarantee. also you don't, um, you don't, how, how is there, there's no way to like track where it goes. Like, you know, you sell mm -hmm. it once, and you, like you don't have the, the kind of means to like, not track it, but you know, like to find out what happened to you after um, and where it ends up. Like maybe people are nice and they tell you, but that's not like necessarily something that actually happens very often. And another thing, like when I was first hearing about NFTs, because me and you always talk about the fact that why the fuck have we chosen to be like digital artists? Like both of our work is very much video or photography based. So we always talk about the fact that like, why can't we just make money that can be like sellable, you know, like physical work that's sellable. And so when I first heard about NFTs, I was like, oh my God, I might actually be able to make it now as a working artist. If I can sell my videos, mm -hmm. if I can sell my photos, like that is in, in like a completely new way. That is like revolutionary for my practice. And so that's something that was like so interesting to me. The fact that like this is actually opening up and answering some questions about whether or not I can actually like sustain myself as a video artist. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can actually finally sell your digital work, which yeah, you and I have chatted about multiple times. Um, so the last thing I want to say while we're on part one, the positives, um, is a quote from um, Ashley Ramos, who's the senior producer at the Nifty Gateway Gallery. Um, so this gallery is kind of at the, um, one of the largest um, NFT commissioner, sorry, NFT commission gallery? No, what are they called? Commission galleries? Yeah, go with that commercial oh my fucking god okay let me try that again <laughs> I didn't know what you were trying to say okay um the last thing I want to say on part one is um a quote from Ashley Ramos who's the senior producer at Nifty Gateway um which is currently I think the or at least one of the largest um NFT um commercial galleries right now um so she says um, I would argue that many people have always loved experiential art, not just something physical or tangible, but experiential art, she says. Uh, some would say that Japanese contemporary artist um, Yayoi Kusama uh, is a great example of that. Her infinity rooms, those are experiences. Those are not things you can take home and put on your wall. Or the Mark Rothko room at the Tate Modern too, that's an experience. People love going to museums just to take in the art and not necessarily just take it home with them. And I totally agree with that. Like, I think that's so interesting. Um, and I think that um, Kusuma is, um, sorry, Kusama uh, is a really great um, ex uh, example of that because yeah, you can't, it's not, it isn't a tangible thing that you put on your wall. It's something that you really like have to be there. And people are so attracted to that work because of the experience, you know, people will travel, people. I have traveled thousands of miles just to see that work, you know, like that is an, it's an incredible um, experience and yeah, one that just can't be replicated. So I just, I love that quote. I think that's just like a really amazing way to look at art. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, like think about all, all that art can be. It's not just merely a thing on your wall. Totally. Um, so rounding off part one, I feel like honestly, NFTs are sounding pretty good right now. And like in the words of our Lord and Savior, Paris Hilton. That's hot. That's hot. <laughs> but NFTs are hot in another way. Like really hot like now a major contributor to global warming. Yikers. Um, so let's get into the juicy problematic tea of NFTs. Um, so I'm gonna start off with a quote from artist Joni Lemercier. Um, and they say with no travel involved and mostly digital distribution, this new model looks like it is the potential to become a sustainable practice for artists. 
That's until you understand the magnitude of the environmental impacts of the current blockchain. It's a disaster. So you might be having the same reaction that I did when I first heard this. I was like, what? <laughs> but it's online. And online equals no environmental impact because it's not a physical thing. And it was at this moment that I realized I don't know how anything works in the world. Honestly, same though. <laughs> this whole time, you and I are like, energy consumption we're like economics what <laughs> um, um sorry so before we get into part two which would be the negatives of nfts my wonderful ravishing radiant shay is going to give us some more definitions i am indeed so i'm going to start off by talking about mining for bitcoin um honestly this just sounds so funny like I just, I don't know why I'm, I imagine like Minecraft, like well, I've played Minecraft before, but like, just like, you know, really pixely little guys, like anyway, mm. it's not that. Um, Bitcoin mining is the process by which new Bitcoins are entered into the circulation, but it's also a critical component of the maintenance and development of the blockchain ledger. Um, it's performed by using very sophisticated computers that solve extremely complex math problems. Um, so cryptocurrency mining is painstaking, costly, and only sporadically rewarding. Um, nonetheless, mining has a magnetic appeal for many investors interested in cryptocurrency because of the fact that miners are rewarded for their work with crypto tokens. By mining, you can earn cryptocurrency without having to put down any money for it. Um, Bitcoin miners receive Bitcoin as a reward for completing blocks of verified transactions which are added to the blockchain. So mining rewards are paid to the miner who discovers a solution to the complex hashing puzzle first. And the probability that the participant will be the one to discover the solution is related to the portion of the total mining power on the network. So not only is it something that you really don't have very much control over what day it works or when it works or when you're going to be able to actually like mine um successfully so it is like that kind of the nature of it being so sporadic is um like probably quite kind of like anxiety inducing and makes you or maybe like it makes you really pumped you know I don't know how that, how that would be and especially if it was like math related and like kind of more like computery techie like problem solving like I would just I think that the reason that they say that it's like magnetic for these people is because like the reward is so great and they have to kind of reap a lot in order to get but then the reward is so good you know yeah I would even like compare this to like like gold mining right like how like in terms of the sporadic reward of like um how hard you have to work and then you like get your reward I feel like um like one of the the ideas like it being magnetic is this sort of like monetary gain and also almost like gambling in a sense you know like that sort of mindset of like you you think that this next thing is really gonna like you're gonna strike big you know mm -hmm, totally um, I'm also going to talk about proof of work, which is shortened to POW. Um, so proof of work is used widely in cryptocurrency mining for validating transactions and mining new tokens. Due to proof of work, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency transactions can be processed peer to peer in a secure manner without the need for a trusted third party. Proof of work at scale requires huge amounts of energy, which only increases as more miners join the network. Proof of stake was created as an alternative to proof of work, which is what I'm talking about next. Proof of stake can be shortened to POS. So the proof of stake concept states that a person can mine or validate block transactions according to how many coins they hold. This means that the more coins owned by a miner, the more mining power they have. Proof of work requires huge amounts of energy with miners needing to sell their coins to ultimately fit the bill whereas proof of stake gives mining power based on the percentage of coins held by a miner. 
Proof of stake is seen as less risky in terms of the potential for miners to attack the network as it structures compensation in a way that makes an attack less advantageous for the miner. Um, and then finally, I'm gonna talk about um, Ethereum. So Ethereum is the second largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization after Bitcoin. Um, so you might've heard of it. Um, Ethereum is the most actively used blockchain. Um, launched in 2015, Ethereum is an open-sourced block blockchain-based decentralized platform used for its own cryptocurrency, which is called Ether. Ethereum is currently on proof of work, but the platform will allegedly move to something called ETH2, which will be um, proof of stake but ethereum has been moving to proof of stake for almost as long as it has existed which is about six years um and then as a result of that it's actually become like an ongoing joke um that eth 2.0 pos is coming soon um so unsure about that that's all so that's all my definitions for you thank you my love um so now we're going to talk about the detrimental effects on the environment. Um, so the first thing that I just want to say is like when, I think we've kind of just mentioned that POW uses a lot of energy. I don't think we've specifically mentioned what it is, um, but it runs on electricity and um, the crypto infrastructure relies mostly on fossil fuels. Um, so coal, oil, and gas. It's not good. Um, the main article that I'm going to be citing throughout this next section is an article by Everest Pipkin. Yep. And this is a fantastic, very dense article on um, cryptocurrency, crypto art, and everything associated with that. So it is definitely a bit of a, a read, but very well worth it. And obviously, all the resources that we mentioned here will be linked below. Um, so this article is called, here is the article you can send to people when they say, but environmental issues with crypto art will be solved soon, right? Um, cryptocurrencies and NFTs are an absolute disaster and for so many reasons more than just ecological. So as we've mentioned in our latest set of definitions, um, POW, proof of work, uses a massive amount of energy. And this is because the miners specialized computers have to solve harder and harder um, math equations. Um, and it's usually like, a, like it can be like a warehouse filled with computers that are just running constantly using so much electricity. Um, and like after just over like a decade of the growing cryptocurrency market, um, the amount of energy emitted for this infrastructure is more than the amount of energy that a country like Argentina uses. Which is like, that is like, it's crazy first. The first thing you think is that's mental, but the second thing you think of is like, that is so depressing and sad and scary. Like we're, we're trying to do all this good work with the planet in mind. But then this is becoming the next craze. Like how, like, this is why people need to be talking about this. This is a big fucking deal. Like this is bad. This is going to be so bad. Yeah, exactly. Like this is going to be like, if it's not already, it will be like the leading, the leading contributor to. For sure. Like without, without a fucking doubt. Yeah. This is why it's so scary. Yeah. And then as we mentioned before, like, there's no regulatory structure or federal oversight whatsoever. And this is because it is, uh, this is because it is like its own sovereign thing. There's no, there's no outside government, which is why crypto is so like attractive to people is because it doesn't have that government structure in it. I was just, I was getting, I was about to be like, but then I just hit my mic. So sorry about that. Okay. Um, so if you're having a discussion about POWs um, effect on the environment, it won't be long before proof of stake POS gets brought up. 
Um, now, just because proof of stake um, uses significantly less energy, it doesn't mean that it's all peaches and roses. And this is because um, POS makes it easier for miners to validate blocks, meaning it'll use less energy, um, if they already have existing coins in their crypto wallet. So the issue with this is that now it's giving, or the issue with POS is that it's giving, um, like, it's favoring people who are already wealthy, who have already bought into and have a foothold in crypto, and it's giving power to those who are already powerful. Which, does that not sound a little bit familiar? Hashtag the art world. <laughs> hashtag the art world and hashtag just current government and wow. corporations everywhere. Well, yeah. Um, so moving right along to crypto art um, and just a fair warning that our lovely offer, offer, author um, Everest Pimpkin does not have a good outlook on crypto art. So let me give you the Coles notes real quick. Um, they talk about how digital files really don't have a lot going for them just in terms of like, the rich cultural and anthropological history of traditional materials and mediums. But what they do have is duplicability. There is no original. For example, if I were to send Shay um, a video file or like a 3D model or something, and she opens it on her device, we are now experiencing the same thing. We, we're experiencing the same thing firsthand. And we are engaging with the work wholly and not through secondhand documentation. And Pipkin says that that's the one true benefit of working in a digital space. Um, so I just want to like, Pipkin goes on to describe like a whole bunch of reasons why they don't like um, crypto art. I'm, I picked my, my favorite three. Um, so the first one is crypto art remakes digital artworks as primarily tokens of monetary worth, content and concept secondary to an asset that has market value. The second is crypto art creates artificial scarcity for digital objects, creating an original which can be owned for the purpose for resale. And the third one is crypto art recreates some of the worst aspects of the existing art markets pitting the superstardom of those who have gotten lucky or those who already had money and connections to play with against realities of countless others who will see no such return. So it's basically just simulating the simulation, you know, like before we were already being like, oh, this sounds so good. Like we're going to, it's going to be so positive because artists like us are going to be able to, you know, actually thrive and be like, be a working artist like it won't be such a um, terrifying concept if you want to make work that's maybe not like traditional or tangible, like that it sounded like such a good thing, but then when you actually dive into it, it's the same fucking issues that are just being copied and pasted over to this, this digital space. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that just leads into like the, the conclusion that um, Everest Pipkin will make um, and he, like, they take a very strong stance on this. So I'm just going to read this last part. Um, they say that the only viable option is total moral rejection. And they go on to say, many would call me unrealistic and naive for this, unwilling to make compromises in a world we're living in now because of an idealistic version of a tomorrow. And to them, I would like to say that we literally invented an extra sovereign monetary system that within 10 years has generated trillions of dollars of worth and is held up with the power consumption of a small country. Let this whole horrible chapter of history convince you that money is fake, we can do anything we want, and that we do not want crypto art. How do you, how do you feel about that personally? Like, do you agree with that? I'm going to tell you how I feel about that in just a moment. Oh, okay, sure. I like this, honestly, this research has really taken me on a ride. Right. For NFTs. I have one more point that I want to make. And then I want to talk about how, how we've, how we're feeling. Unless do you have any thoughts right now that you want to share? No, no, I was just, I just think that that was just such like a bold, like, and very like 
not in a bad way like I really love it and I think that like it's definitely like you say opened our eyes to to this kind of like separate realm um but yeah it was just it's just very like very well put and it's like how can you argue that really like when when they've kind of like highlighted things like how can you argue again how can you argue that they're wrong exactly exactly and like I like again I gave you like the the barest minimum of that of that article like there's so many more points that this this author makes um but like after that harsh stance but very illuminating take um after reading the whole paper I was like no ma'am no ham no peanut butter and jam no nfts in this household I was like mm, canceled no nfts not looking into it any further I know everything I need to know Well, <laughs> so I'm reconsidering. And the reason why I'm reconsidering is um, two words. Kelly Richardson. <laughs> um, Kelly Richardson was my video art professor at UVic. And um, she's one of the main reasons that I am the artist that I am today. Um, she is a Canadian digital artist, um, but she also worked at Newcastle University for basically the past 14 years um teaching art over there as well now she's teaching at uvic um so kelly makes these like mostly like these massive um she calls them like a collapsed narrative um video installations um and a lot of her work um she also does like photography she does she does so much she's amazing please go and look at her work um, but she's been dealing with themes of climate change for in her work for years now. Um, so, for example, her series Pillars of Dawn, um, that work imagines a, what a landscape might look like after the inevitable um, uh, humans causing mass extinction. And then two years ago, she was invited to use IMAX cameras to shoot and document um, the remaining um, old growth forests here on Vancouver Island. So when I saw Kelly was um, joining the NFT discussion, I knew that she would have done her due diligence in finding a green solution. Um, so I want to point out and read what her latest Instagram post was because it's about um, NFTs. So Kelly says, I'm thrilled to be a part of the FEN, an initiative by curator Juliette Bebasse, visual artist Joni Lemercier, and more than 35 pioneering digital media artists in response to the outrageous greenhouse gas emissions of crypto art releases on Ethereum blockchain POW. Our goal is to encourage the community to transition their NFTs to low energy platform, such as Hick et Nuke, um, Tezos blockchain POS, Minting an NFT on HIT has associated emissions equivalent to an email. The caliber of artists contributing to this initiative is incredible. For this week's drops, including my own, visit thefen.io. As a part of this project, the FEN invites each creative to donate 10% of the proceeds to a project of their choice, a local project, NGO, activism, etc. Uh, mine will be donated to the Endangered Ecosystems Alliance, who are working to produce an amazing Ecosystems of Canada mini documentary series for social media that will aim to encourage and mobilize millions of Canadians to support protected areas expansion across Canada, aiming for 10 million viewers, starting with the battle for the coastal old, old growth forests of BC. Okay, that was my last point. Let's conclude. Do you feel like you're kind of after so you read the article and you kind of made your kind of you were like scared and you were like shitting yourself about how like detrimental this could be and then you saw what Kelly had posted did you feel like a little bit more kind of reassured that there is a way for you to potentially try out selling stuff as NFTs if you were to do your research and to like kind of go along with this more green approach I think so I think so I feel like um, yeah, I think that it just needs to be done in a very critical and conscious way. And I like, I think that with, with everyone, like anyone who is like going to embark on the NFT journey, like it is going to be imperative to do this in a green way because the amount of waste, the amount of energy waste is just so astronomical, um, that we just 
we don't have time to do, to to wait around like it, we need to move towards a green platform no totally i'm i'm very much on board with it like i'm still very wary about i would like to maybe try it and see um but knowing all that i know now like do i want to like contribute to that do i want like i don't think i do but at the same time like if i can if i can do it in a green way make money and like can achieve my dream of being a working artist like as long as it is done in line with like my morals which this would definitely not be in line with my morals you know contributing to this like absolute shit show that's that's erupted um I think that for me like I definitely would have to like really think about it and I would encourage everyone watching to do the same like just to really think about it and and do your research um but yeah that is I think that's all for this episode what is that your kind of closing remarks yeah yeah I would say I would say so um I feel like Shay and I really like talked more about um cryptocurrency and kind of the background um and we didn't really get into um like what's really happening in the art world like talking about actual nft art um and so if you guys are interested if you liked what you heard we can totally get into that in another jawbreaker episode so just let us know um like for part two and comment below um but also do not forget to hit that subscribe button um to and also turn on the bell note is that still a thing yeah i think so turn on the bell notification to be notified every time we post we post usually every fortnight sometimes we'll sprinkle in some juicy extras but thank you so much for watching and we hope that this has given you a better idea of what the fuck is going on with nfts um comment below your thoughts how you feel if you've tried selling an nft or if you've bought an nft please let us know as well we just are so interested in the subject um but yeah if you want a part two comment below amazing thank you everyone so much for making it through this doozy of an episode um and we will see you next time bye, bye.